Liverpool Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. This time around, I'm pulling an interview out of the archives with a very hardworking, versatile, and engaging actress, Lisa Lee. She's also sometimes credited as Lisa Mason Lee. If you have not heard of her, you soon will. She's been in a number of television shows as well as in some movies. Her work ethic and dedication are evident in this interview that you're about to hear. Let me know what you think. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome our special guest, Lisa Lee. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure. It's a pleasure indeed. We're making it official now. The interview is officially started. Ah, here we go. On your market set, go. So I think most stories are best from the beginning. What Mm. What was life like growing up? Oh, life for me growing up? That's an interesting question. Well, you know, I Grew up in a little house on the west side of Indianapolis with my parents, Jim and Nancy, and my brother, Chris. We're a happy family, and we lived in a bit of a ghetto neighborhood. A little bit scary at times. You know, I had it really good because I had a solid family, even though there was chaos going on in the neighborhood, and certain neighbors were quite fascinating. And things that were going on were very interesting, too, in the neighborhood. We got along and made ends meet. And we finally got out of there and moved to a nicer part of town after that. What about your passion for being on camera or acting? Where did that start? I have thought about this before, actually. My mother and my grandma were very into the celebrity culture. Both of my grandmas, actually my father's mother and my mom's mom, they always had the Inquirer laying around. My mother's mother, she worked at the Indianapolis 500 and she was the assistant to the owners. And I would go in there race season in May for the Indianapolis 500. I remember as a baby and one time, what's his name? Knight Rider. Gosh. Hasselhoff. Hasselhoff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was holding me as a baby in this picture. I don't remember the actual moment, but there's an example. And, you know, my mom would always have this fascination with celebrities. And like I said, my grandma's. And for me personally, I was around that. And then as a kid watching TV and movies, I was so drawn to being inside of the television and in the movies. I mean, I just remember, like most kids probably that would want to play house or acting games and things like that. I was just always in character, it seems like, as a child, whether I was like Judy Garland and The Wizard of Oz or whatever I was watching or Madonna, I would I would act and impersonate every movement of these people. And I was obsessed with it. And I'm like, well, hmm. But as I got older, I go, okay, this is a thing. This is definitely a thing. So I might as well just go into it. Would you say that you learned a lot of it by by imitation? 
Definitely. I think my eyes were hooked on to what was happening in the TV or in the movies. And I would watch every bit of it and just and reenact it and fall into it almost like method acting, you know, where you you psychologically fall into the character. And it's sort of of an escape. It's like when you go into the characters, it's very therapeutic. You don't even see what's in front of you anymore once you become a character. Did you study acting at all on a formal level? Yeah, I've taken some scene study classes, a little bit of improv and things like that. I haven't done much theater, though. Lots of acting for TV and film type classes, though, for sure. Would you say that your parents overall were supportive of your decision to go into so-called what they call show business? Of course, my parents are very, very supportive and whatever it is, I always did. You know, I was kind of the art class kid, you know, and I'd always take art classes growing up as well. And they're like, keep doing your art. If you love your art, then go for it. So, you know, I went to art school for a while and bounced around with that and did um, a school of new media and learned some graphic design there and video and music. And I realized that fine art became I did it for so long. I once I found a niche for video and design and acting and just being with that camera, you know, I switched over to the, the technology with that sort of thing and went in that direction. Tell me about the decision that you made when you decided that you were going to throw all caution to the wind and you were going to go out to Los Angeles and pursue this dream. I always wanted to do it much younger. It's just that, you know, it was really implanted in my head that I should have this backup plan, also known as college and a degree, and that it was a safe route, especially coming from where I did. I went to a good school. They prepared us years in advance for college, and it was what everyone was doing, and I thought, okay, well, I guess I better do this. And I just felt like I just watched the clock just pass time. Yeah, I enjoyed learning it, and I made some cool tracks and some shorts and learned some great skills, of course, in college, but all I wanted to do was, like, bust out of the town and just jump in my car and go to the West Coast. So to make a long story short, I spent a few years in college and jumped out and rode off to the West Coast. Were you at all afraid to go out there or was it no doubt? Just There was no doubt. I wanted to do it for so long. It was like, you know, when you just want to say something and it builds up so much inside of you and you're like, blurt, blurt, blurt. It was like it just busted out of me, and there I go off in my car, and my parents were just like, okay, um, we love you so much. What are you? They like just let it happen, but they told me later on they cried about it. They didn't want to tell me then because they wanted to be strong and be strong with me, and they didn't think I was really going to go, but there I went. When you went out there, what was the biggest challenge that you faced? <laughs> Being in a town full of people and things I didn't know. I didn't know anything about this place. I had this dream built up in my head of what it was going to be like, of course. I knew two people out here. I live in Hollywood right now for all you people listening. That's where I'm currently 
to make a long story short, we'll get there to how I got back here. But so I only knew a couple people, one girl I used to do arena football cheerleading with and the other guy who's very successful DJ now. And we were became roommates like we set it up in advance on a thing called MySpace. Oh, my God, that dates me. But we met through mutual friends. He's like, I want to go to L.A. And I'm like, me too. And he had like his aunt and uncle out here. And he was able to kind of go apartment searching ahead of time. And then I didn't even really I never met this guy. And I'm like, here's a thousand something dollars. I'll see you out there. And I met him out here and I had a place and we lived together for a year. And then that was that. And it worked out great. You go out here, you really you don't know anybody other than these, no. these two people. How do you turn that into getting work? Listening a lot. You know, I guess I did a little bit of prior research to how things are done. You know, I was doing some independent films and things like that. So I had a little reel, a little acting reel of some photo shoots and some bit parts that I did back in the Midwest. So I had a DVD, a nice reel, had my picture on it, you know, the standard what you're supposed to have. So I had that going. I had the headshot, the resume. You have to have these certain materials in the acting world to be accepted or looked at or even to be considered. So I had the materials. There are some websites, you know, you go to to find auditions. A lot of it's who you know. You just have to hustle, 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 and go into survival mode to make it work. Why do you think that so many people go out there and then they fail? <laughs> what happens? It could be a number of reasons. Like I said, I, I was just like so many other kids that watch TV and go, hey, I want to be inside of that. I want to do that. I want to entertain. It feels good. We see so many shows where America's Got Talent, all of these talent shows where so many people have the same dream. Everybody thinks they're special and they are and everyone is individual. But I guess you kind of have to have somewhat of an it factor to keep going through so many doors that you have to go through. Now, that being said, there's so many people that do get lucky and get breaks faster than others. I feel like a lot of it to, you know, if you have some sort of backbone and support system, like say your cousin's part of a crew on a show or something, maybe they got in the door a little easier that way. But when you don't know anybody, you have to kind of figure it all out from point zero. So I think when people fail, one thing that is very popular in the town of Hollywood is the use of drugs and getting sidetracked. I see that happen very often. I think that people realize that when they get out here, the, the glamour isn't as sparkly as they thought it was going to be. Maybe what they saw on TV or the, the dream they conjured up in their minds. So they're like, eh, it's not really worth it to struggle my ass off. And they say, you know, if you've made it six months here, then you've made it, which I think that's partially true. I feel like there's there is a six month mark where you start going. Is this for me? Am I making it? Can I handle this lifestyle? And another thing, there's just so many fun things to do. There's so many scenes to get into. You can get wrapped up in so many lives. The whole world here, there's Chinatown, there's Thai town, there's Koreatown, Little Armenia, you can be anything here and you can fall off of your path 
so easily if you let distractions get in your mind and sidetrack you. Did you find that it it was at all hard to stay focused or was that easy for you? My first time living here, which I don't know if you know that much about how you know that I had a little hiatus in Vegas. I don't know if we're going to get to that. But I found that it was somewhat hard to stay on the path, but somewhat easy. It was the influence of people. You think when you're so much younger, you go, I know this, I got this, I'm wise. But then now when you look back when you're a little older, you go, okay, I guess I was a little stupid and I didn't know everything. There are some vampires out here, not real ones, because we all know those don't exist. Sorry, vampire lovers, but there are people who want what you have. This is anywhere. And they want to sort of pull that away from you or have some of it or maybe bring you down. And you just have to make sure you stay away from those certain vibes and keep focused. It's all about the focus. Do you find that there's a shortage of trustworthy people out there? I find that there are, but I think that in a lot of towns, it's the same way. Just like people, some people like to say, oh, LA's full of phony people. And I go, there's phony people everywhere. Trust me. I've met phony people all around this country in different states. A lot of people wear masks. Okay. So it's not just here, but you will find quite a bit of delusional people here. But, you know, is that them just really pressing hard on their dream and they're like, you can't knock somebody for being so confident in themselves. I could never do that. Just like, good for you, dude. Like, keep on with your dream. I hope it works out, whatever. So I just don't think too much into what other people's dreams are. You just have to, again, focus on what you're trying to do and live the path for whatever it is you're living for. Since you've been doing this, what has been your favorite professional experience? Mm. Well, it's funny because when I first moved out here, actually, because this goes back to what you're saying about did I lose track of what I was doing? Well, it's not that I completely lost track. I just wound up getting involved in some other things like you and I have a commonality for interviewing people. And I had some past host experience and some writing experience. And I teamed up with some people here, uh, some paparazzi people, E.L. Woody the king of paparazzi. I teamed up with those guys and did some writing for them and all kinds of things we teamed up with. And I lived in the celebrity culture for a while, interviewing and attending these red carpets and talking to all sorts of stars. And it was crazy. You brought up an interesting point. Tell us about E.L. Woody. You said Mm -hmm. he's the king of the paparazzi. What is he like? (laughs) Well, he's like an old Vietnam. Oh, I shouldn't have said old. El is super fantastic. I say that because El gave me an opportunity. Like when I first came out here and didn't know anybody, I ran into him. I was going to some party on Melrose, and I saw these paparazzi surrounding. They're taking pictures of celebrities. 
I guess, you know, I'm like, oh, it's paparazzi. This is what I've heard about. It looks like that's what these people are. And that's where I met him. And I do believe I met Henry Trappler at the same time, which is EL's like, what do you call it? His partner in crime in the paparazzi world. They gave me an opportunity when they had, you know, their website, celebrities.com. They're doing some other, some other stuff right now, but it was formerly known as celebrities.com. And we got together and I wrote with them on their website and they would send me out to all kinds of celebrity events. And I would interview celebs kind of on the spot sometimes, you know, I would just pull them aside and be like, Hey, so what's this like? What's going on with you? And then other times I would go to red carpets and talk to them in a formal manner, you know? What do you suppose it is that they saw in you that they thought, you know what, this is the person for that? That's a good question. I think maybe because maybe they sensed that I was hungry to be involved in something. Maybe they saw saw it in me that I had this interest in the celebrity culture. Maybe it's passed on from my mom and my grandmas to me. I don't know. It's like I'm infected with the celebrity disease or something. <laughs> Through the experience of doing that, I'm sure you met some interesting people. Who was the most enjoyable to interact with? Ooh, 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 ooh. I would say it was kind of surreal. I know this is a C so you wouldn't expect this choice, but I have to say Paris Hilton was always a joy to see because you know, she was so animated on TV and she went through the whole jail thing out her house rob, the bling ring. And she was just this famous for being famous person and such a buzz at the time when I was doing the interviews and celebrities.com. And it was so fun to just see her in person and just see what she was going to say whenever we asked her something. It was always something like, um, yeah, he's not hot or she would just nod her head yes or no. So like if you were doing audio with her, there would be no audio because she would do a lot of head nodding. <laughs> <laughs> Hysterical, but she's so sweet and she's so smarter than people think. And that's another thing about her. She's a badass businesswoman and people think, oh, she's so ditzy. Look at her. She's DJing all over the world. How dumb can she be? I mean, she's got her whole DJ thing going now. It's awesome. I don't know. She's cool. She's great. I love the chick. Tell me about TMZ. How did you get involved with that group? TMZ, oh gosh, I was doing, which I just haven't gotten around to it lately. I believe, I'm not going to speak too soon, but I believe that we're going to do something again. But um, I wanted to hook up with TMZ for a long time. They know EL and that whole group, and they knew me on the scene when they first started out. Some of those, the Charles, and Charles used to be out on the scene. He's in the office mostly now, but so, you know, I was just kind of familiar with that scene, and we had some mutual friends in the business, and then I one thing led to another, and I did some TMZ Lives. What do you suppose it is that is in people that they have this obsession, this interest in stars' lives? Why do you think people care about all that oh man well the paparazzi thing has been going on for so long since the black and white films and gosh who even started it do you know paul i sure don't yeah well it's been going on for so long i mean it's like some 
Brainiac was like, okay, well, we need this relationship between cameras and the newspapers or tabloids and stars. And that's how we're going to get this publicity thing going. And we're going to see, we're going to show people how interested they are in these stars. And it's just this crazy relationship that's been going on for so long. There's something in our human nature where it's like, okay, well, you know, we all are humans. We all like sex. We're all attracted to other humans, hopefully. <laughs> and we see these people and these stars and we get caught up in them in the TV and the movies like, oh, Bradley Cooper's so dreamy right now. They're pressing him. They're pushing him in the tabloids. They decide who's hot. They start casting these people. They're in the game. We keep seeing them. It feels like they're almost like our next door neighbor, but we can't talk to him, but we can see him in those pictures, maybe getting off their motorcycle. And it's a good pastime. It takes your mind off of the daily grind of what's going on in reality. And hey, who doesn't want to see, you know, Kristen Stewart doing whatever with her orange hair or Bradley Cooper's eyes when he takes his helmet off? after he's riding his motorcycle or Brad Pitt at the grocery store. I mean, it's, there's something fun about it. And we're so voyeuristic as humans. It's just natural. You've done a lot of things. You have done hosting. You've done acting. You've done writing, obviously on camera work. What is your dream? What do you want to happen most of all? Um, world peace, Paul, world peace. <laughs> All right. Aside from the obvious, it would be really cool if people would understand that we're all living under one roof on this place called Earth and that we're one consciousness together. And if we could all understand that, I feel like everyone could be like, hey, brother, hey, sister, you know, how's your day talking to you like you're uh, talking to your soul and not just to you're just some human walking by. That would be really nice. But aside from my, my world peace dream, I truly would like to be a working actor. It would be super cool to be a part of a uh, TV series, to get some movies, even one movie, one TV series. I just need to scratch the itch. Hmm. And then then who knows? Maybe I'll want to go back to writing or something. But I have to scratch the itch before I move on. What is the best thing about being Lisa Lee? <laughs> I'm a feather in the wind who loves organizing materials around me. <laughs> That's terrible. I think that, that I'm compassionate to the fellow human and animals and I like to practice patience, which is something that people struggle with so bad. And I feel that I understand a balance of a lot of things that I see outside of my little world where I go, maybe you should stop pressing those buttons on your phone and look up every once in a while. Maybe I can toot my horn about some of those kind of habits that I haven't sold my soul to. That's actually... I have a lot of respect for that. <laughs> I, I, it, it, I also am all for people keeping their faces out of screens. <laughs> <laughs> well, all, we all know we have to do it, but there's, you know, you have to try to balance it. For anyone who's listening to this, mm. where, wherever they are, what would you say to them? Mm. 
The only true wisdom is in knowing you know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Who is Lisa Lee? Hmm. A soul having a human experience who is baby stepping into the next level. Hopefully we all want to go to next levels and graduate and raise our vibrations. And we've got goals and dreams to catch. Then we should try because you'll never know if you don't try. It's better to fall on your ass and get up than not try at all. This is a relatively new question that I've been asking people lately. I wasn't sure if I was going to ask you, but it looks like I am. Not the song that you necessarily like the most, but the song that you swear it was written about you. <laughs> the song that it could be your theme song. Maybe it has words, maybe it doesn't. What is it? Uh, you know what, Paul? I got to tell you, I'm not that deep. You really stumped me with this question. Can we do uh, Jim Morrison, Break On Through to the Other Side? I mean, there's always something about that song that gets me going, and I'm always trying to break on through. The Doors, I'm sorry. It was not a gem. It's The Doors. That's a good choice, though. Well, Lisa Lee, thank you very much. Thank you. This is fun. I'm glad. I'll take that <laughs> as a compliment. Yes. You the have... Paul Leslie Hour. I've been a part of the hour. You... <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. It's been a pleasure. Yes, thank you. Zip, bip, bibbidi bop, boobity zing, dang, bon, chee, tikadali zing, ba bang, do, coochie, atsikili matsuko, ah, you should get gone, go, go, I don't go, easing on the glen, dang, I'm pontai, it'll let's go, plant, and do, and do, but do, you could do, goodbye.